We were talking about Bridgerton, which was kind of about fantasy and chamber pots. Uh, Speaking and of chamber pots, what movie are we talking about today? There's a very logical explanation for all this. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Who's Your Mommy podcast. My name is Abby Elsethagen. And my name is Grace Ward. In this podcast, we explore bisexuality, gender roles, and early 2000s media, and the role it's played on our lives. And we also talk a lot about Linda Cardellini. Linda Cardellini, we love you. Please follow us on Instagram. Please follow us. Hey again, we just wanted to give one little warning before we jump into the show that we do talk about PG-13 and R-rated stuff on here, but we promise we will warn you if we're about to get into some X-rated content. We might not tell you every time we're about to say the word fuck, but we will warn you anytime we're about to get into some deep shit. Man, you must have to get really creative with like historical fiction smut novels because you can't have a shower sex scene. Yeah. And those, I feel like there's so many shower, like shower sex scenes in smut. Right. And I also, not to get too intimate about it, but I oftentimes feel the need to shower before and or after sex. I'm, I like to like be clean. So I think it requires some special suspension of disbelief to write a fantasy novel, <laughs> especially when you know there's no running water. <laughs> like a good writer is someone who can make me forget that there's no running water yeah. in this world. <laughs> <laughs> We're just poop right out the gate. <laughs> Welcome to the Who's Your Mommy podcast. Who's your mommy? <laughs> Funniest thing I've ever said. <laughs> when we were editing the last episode, Brandon goes, I kept all the times where you made a joke and then said, that's so funny to your own joke. And I was like, oh, thank you. Good. I think that's part of what makes it funny. Mm-hmm. It's my sense of humor is just, I'm funny. That's the joke. <laughs> So, Abby, speaking of princesses, what movie are we going to talk about today? We are talking about, we didn't, we're talking about The Princess Diaries. I'm so, I'm so happy. Like, I'm like, I don't always go into these episodes being like, oh, I'm so happy to talk about these, this movie, but this movie's just so cute. It's so wonderful. And I will say, until this day, until today, I'd never seen the first one, only the second one. But I'd seen the second one probably 15 times. It was like, we had it on DVD. I was obsessed with it. I could probably give you a play-by-play of the second movie. But the first one, I am happy to say, is better. (laughs) The first one is uh, significantly better than the second one, I have to say. But not in like a way that the second one is bad, they just have completely different vibes to them. Yeah, well, one's, like, a high school movie that takes place, like, and has, like, the day-to-day school things mm-hmm. of school and, like, being a high schooler, and the other feels very much like we are in this foreign country and there's all these royal things and yeah, this girl has to get married. <laughs> Good ex. Don't like that plot line. Yeah. I, we were watching it, Chase and I were watching it, um, well, we watched the whole first one together, and when we watched it together, Chase was like, oh, I'm gonna work on something, and you just watch the movie, and I'll just kind of pay attention to it in the background, and then he, like, sat down on the couch and didn't get up from the couch mm-hmm. <laughs> for, like, half the movie, because he was so invested in it. Well, Mia's a really easy character to get invested in. Yeah. She's so, she's so well done. She's so well played. She's so, like, I just love her. Mm-hmm. Like, you kind of just love her so fast, too. Yeah. She's just, like, she's relatable in a way that I've never seen relatable done before. Mm-hmm. Well, and she does, like, she's, like, such a fucking mess weirdo nerd, but she's also good at things. Yeah. And I think a lot of times the mess weirdo nerd is a mess weirdo nerd at everything. hmm But it's nice to see the balance. I love the scene where she's like, I'm a girl. Not an athletic girl. I'm a rock climbing, like, horseback <laughs> riding girl. And the, the coach is like, okay, what am I? Yeah, like, well, am I a duck? <laughs> <laughs> I love the, I love, Christina, Christina from Grey's Anatomy is in this. Sandra Oh yeah. is just in this movie. There's, yeah. like, all these people that I'm like, oh my gosh. So many women in these mo- this movie. Yes. Bestel is- test. Ten times over. Yes. This is such a good women movie. Mm-hmm. Women. Women women. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> oh, and then we, okay, so Chase and I started watching the second one, and it's so full of, like, kind of cringe moments yeah. of, like, her messing up in, like, really important, like, places and events, and he just was cringing too much that he couldn't watch the movie, <laughs> so we had to stop it halfway through. I don't think I had thought about that part of it until I was an adult, because mm-hmm. when I was a kid, one, I hadn't seen the first movie, mm-hmm. but I'd watched the second one a lot, so I was like, oh, this is just me at, like girl's a mess oopsie yeah um i feel like she regresses though i think <laughs> from so the, the end of the what the first movie to the beginning of the second movie mm-hmm. it's like girly you good are you just gonna learn your lesson again doesn't college do that to all of us though oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> i've regressed <laughs> no i think I've, I've definitely gotten better since high school but mia also has a lot of boyfriends yeah like a lot of them she has so many love interests like at least two per movie Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. i think it's like four of them which is more just more than like there's usually like and this is the boy that i like Mm -hmm. and when i was a kid having not seen the first movie did not give a shit about michael or whatever he is i was like whatever but now as an adult i'm kind of really happy that they didn't keep who has their same boyfriend from when they're 15 Mm -hmm. when they're becoming queen of a country like i'm glad they didn't keep her like hometown boyfriend and they just broke up and it seems fine and that's cool um actually fun fact about that is the guy who played michael in the movies Mm -hmm. he was actually in a band and he literally was on tour with his band during the second movie like the filming of it and that's why he's not in it but in the books that the movies are based on she ends up marrying him whoa yeah i um I almost went and bought the book this afternoon. I was like, I should just go pick up Princess Mm -hmm. Diaries because I never read them as a kid. But then I decided I should just watch the movie because last week I had to edit the Jennifer's Body episode where I didn't watch the movie. And that was like my own, like, (laughs) personal, like, (laughs) my personal punishment for not having watched the movie was having to spend like five hours with my boyfriend editing a podcast where I'm just like bullshitting. (laughs) Terrible. So I watched the movie instead of going to buy the book. I I did read the books um, probably around the same age that Mia is when she's in, like, in the books. Um, they start when she's a freshman and the books are way more focused around her high school experience. Gotcha. So they're kind of more like sequential. Like they start with her freshman year and then they go through like prom and like graduation and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And then later on in the books, she starts to be more like royalty go to Genovia type stuff um but I personally I don't remember liking the books I feel like I have these vivid memories of the of the books being in the library Mm -hmm. when I was in sixth grade our our teacher Miss Brunix had a library Mm -hmm. and I remember like always thinking I wanted to read it and then like checking it out and never reading it and then turning it back in Mm -hmm. Also, like, how can you compete with yeah. Julie Andrews and... Did you know Whitney Houston executive produced these movies? Yes. And Shonda Rhimes wrote the second mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Well, and of course Shonda Rhimes wrote the second one because... It even, is a... It's totally a Shonda Rhimes movie. Even baby 11-year-old Grace was like, Shonda. <laughs> <laughs> did you know the new season of Bridgerton has a new showrunner? Uh, they did the first two seasons with Chris Van Dusen. Man, he's like Shonda Rhimes' prodigy. They are bringing on a new showrunner for seasons two or three and four. Mm-hmm. She's a lesbian. <gasps> She's like a 30-year-old lesbian. Are they're, we? They're changing it out from like a 45-year-old man to a 30-year-old lesbian. 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 <laughs> a lesbian. I'm just so excited. I, I found that out because because uh, Nicola Coughlin posted a picture of her and the actor who plays Colin mm-hmm. and this other woman. And I was super excited. I was like, oh, is that a new actor playing a new character? And then it was even better. Even it, better. And I was like, oh my god, she's like a lesbian. Like a like a real one. She's gay running plot Bridgerton. Line, please. And I think but Benedict's gotta be gay. Yeah. He's just gotta be. I just finished Benedict's book too. Mm-hmm. And his book is good. I really love the girl in his book, but that book totally you could switch that out. Yeah. And have a be a man. And and, and I feel I feel confident, more confident in queer Benedict now that they're jumping straight to Colin's plotline and they have a queer showrunner. Fuck yeah. 
Wow. Shonda Rhimes just brings it out of me. Gay Bridgerton. Gay, Gay Bridgerton. Bridgerton. Please. I just want them. And Eloise, too. Yeah. Bi icon. Eloise is not a straight woman. Mm-mm. No. No way. I don't think Hyacinth should be either. The little one. Oh. I just feel I, it. I'm not super invested in her, so. No, well, I, I, I keep looking at my Bridgerton books. I don't own... I own Hyacinth's book, Francesca and Gre- oh, no, Francesca and Eloise's books are the books I still need to buy. Okay. But I guess Hyacinth, she was really cool in mm-hmm. this third book. She's like sassy and more Eloise-y than Daphne. Okay. Works for me. Nice. I am excited to for the later seasons to come out. Yeah. Because I will probably read the books at some point if I feel like it, but I am really invested in the series. Well, if you ever need them, I have almost all of them. I love them. <laughs> Anthony's I, book is my my favorite I've read. I loved Anthony's series with the bee sting. <laughs> but I I've told you this, and I also said this to like multiple people. I have never been more stressed out by a single season of television than I was by watching his season. Yeah, it's really it's it just it has you pressed the whole time. The whole time, and I just also love that the major the major plot conflict in the whole season is I can't love my wife. And it's so dramatic in the book because he's literally like, well, I don't want to be in love. Yeah. And then he just is. It's so stupid. It, <laughs> ma- it, like, it makes me cringe so mm-hmm. much. I'm like, why are you doing this? But it's exactly what I want. This is not our Bridgerton episode, though. Someday no. there there will be some sort of Shondaland supercut. Yes. But, but back to Princess we're Diaries. We're talking about Princess Diaries. Um, tell me about your history with Princess Diaries. Um, I have a very distinct memory of watching these movies for the first time, or at least Mm -hmm. the first one. I had a really good family friend growing up who is like, I want to say like three years older than me. So when I was like 10, she was 13, which is like a pretty significant, like maturity gap. Right. But we still had like grown up together and we were like friends. Um, and I was at her house one time and our parents were doing something like they had some kind of like parent play date thing happening and so they like <laughs> sent all of us to like the bonus room to like, like do go something away. i can't wait to do that with my children yeah and caitlin and corbin's children be like just go entertain yourselves yep <laughs> and she was like oh do you guys want to watch a movie we should watch like this movie this movie and then she's like have you seen the princess diaries and not, neither my sister or i had seen them yet mm-hmm. and so we watched the princess diaries at her house for the very first time and I was like encaptured by it I was just (laughs) fully in love with that movie and I think I made my mom rent it from the library like the very next week and watched it again like three times do you I love that you rented things from the library because that's like a distinct childhood memory of mine too is renting movies from the, the public library oh yeah I don't remember the first time I watched the second one mm-hmm. but I I have a hunch it was when I one time when I was staying with my grandparents because okay. as we all know I spend a fuck ton of time with my grandparents mm-hmm. but I think my we got it from like a Walmart DVD bin for mm-hmm. like five dollars it was the second one because we had the second one on DVD and I was like princess and I I was similarly like oh my gosh <laughs> and I was I was so I hated Chris Pine and then I loved Chris Pine and I I also remember being confused why she wouldn't just marry the really hot British guy. Yeah. And I was like, okay, girl, pop <laughs> off. And then I I remember being like, oh, and the grandma's getting married and yes. just I I was obsessed. And I think part of it is that Mia's so beautiful and graceful and eloquent, but she's also just like moving through the world. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know the actress who plays Lily is a lesbian? I did know that. Isn't that good? I went down like a little bit mm-hmm. of a like spiral of learning about her because she's so cool. She's in like Scream. Yeah. Like a bunch of Scream and horror movies. Yeah. She's a lesbian. She's married to a woman. She endorsed Bernie. She's married to a woman who's also named Heather. Yeah. They're both named Heather. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so good. Heather. Genius. The Heathers. Mm-hmm. If I were going to have a wife, I'd want her name to also be Grace. I had a crush on a girl named Abby at one point. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What, like, what perfect casting? I just want to talk about the casting. Oh my god, yes. And how just perfectly, like, top to bottom, 
casting. Every single character. Mm-hmm. There is not a single bad casting. I think in this watch, Joe was my favorite character. Mm-hmm. And that casting was so good. And that actor's also, he's he plays the big owl in Avatar The Last Airbender. He does? <laughs> yeah. um, which is a weird, weird pull, but... Um, I, I loved that. Julie Andrews is so sweet. I was, I listened to this interview with Whitney Houston about, with, um, about how Julie Andrews was like her princess when she was a kid Mm -hmm. and now like she's the queen and so sweet. Whitney Houston produced this movie. That's crazy. I've already said that, but I'm going to keep saying it like it's the first time I've said it because I just, how cute. It's so wild. It's so cute. That's so fun. I think something I... Red said that it was the first feature-length film that she ever produced as well, which is really sweet. That is sweet. I, and Anne Hathaway, even as a baby, is just Mm -hmm. so, she's so good. Yeah. This was her first movie. We talked about that earlier. Early. Yeah. What a cutie. She's just so adorable and precious and, like, really funny. Mm -hmm. She's got the physical comedy element of acting down. Did you, did you know that one of the reasons she got the role is because she fell off her chair during her audition? (laughs) And they were like, that's it. Like her. I've been told I remind people of Princess Mia a lot in my life, especially when my hair was darker. Mm -hmm. I remember freshman year of college, um, one Ryan Singh was like, Grace is Princess Mia. And there are pictures of me making like Mia faces. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so... So rewatching it was, it was so nice. It was, yeah, she's, she's so graceful. Like Mm -hmm. Anne Hathaway is like an Audrey Hepburn, like grace and like prowess, Mm -hmm. but she's also so funny. Like she, yeah, she's just so talented. mm -hmm. You just get the idea that she's in full control of her limbs. Yes. But she also definitely knows how to make you feel like she's not in full control of her limbs. (laughs) Something I never learned how to do. (laughs) No. I mean, I danced, so I guess I hope that at one point in my life I did give off the air that I was in full control of my limbs, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm not a very coordinated person. Neither's Mia. Yeah. The the frizzy hair to straight hair is such a, is weird. It's always, it will never not be weird to me that people are like, Big curly hair equals weirdo. <laughs> Straight hair equals now you're trying to be popular. Yeah. Like, it's just hair. I think it was, I think that's kind of like a, a product of its time that we yeah. didn't quite, like, catch, I guess, mm-hmm. like, watching it back now. But I think that was just, like, a really popular hairstyle at the time. And so to the other kids, it just looked like she was, like, copying. Gotcha. Like, trying to be cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, um... I love the curls, though. Yeah. I, I think it's funny. At least two movies I've seen recently where Anne Hathaway goes th- from the nerdy girl who doesn't care about her hair to um, hot, sleek, beautiful princess girl. Yeah. Like, Anne Hathaway's so pretty. Like, mm-hmm. stop. <laughs> like, stop doing that. Why? <laughs> why? I don't, I don't, I guess I don't really see the before and after, but... Mm-hmm. Okay. I do think that the Princess Diaries handles it in a way that's like, okay, well, we made you pretty, but like, that's not all that matters. Yeah. It's all about what's inside of you and like inner beauty and finding confidence and strength in yourself. Well, and it feels like she gains confidence like exactly. through yeah. the makeover. And there's nothing wrong with like changing up your look mm-hmm. if you're cha- if and if it then makes you more confident and feel good about yourself. That's actually really cool and exciting. Yeah. If you're doing it to fit in, then yeah, it's sad. But like, I felt like it. It did not make Devil Wears Prada, which mm-hmm. we record an episode on, but we've never released because I lost the audio and we were being too mean. Um, it was really bad. <laughs> we were too mean on that episode. It's gone. Lost to the time. Maybe someday we'll do it for a vibey, but yeah, never again. We didn't enjoy the movie. No, we did not like it. But I, I feel like Andy, who is also played by Anne Hathaway. Mm-hmm goes through the transformation makeover to, like, get up in the world, not to feel better, not to, like, have confidence. Yeah. Like, when I dyed my hair blonde, it was, like, a confidence thing. I feel like it brought out, like, a a new happy, peppy side of me in my post-breakup revival, and I'm really happy I did it. Yeah. No regrets, Mm -hmm. but... I think it's also interesting, too, because 
at first she really hates it because she has been invisible for her whole life. Mm -hmm. And like, she just wants to remain invisible. And this new hairstyle makes people notice her and she doesn't like it. And so she kind of like shrinks herself a little bit to like make other people care about her less or like not like make fun of her. And then she kind of learns like, oh, I shouldn't shrink myself to make other people feel better about themselves. And I think that that's a really important lesson. And I love that she wears her hat. Yeah. <laughs> the silly little hat. <laughs> but I did you have a piece of clothing like that? Like in high school where you're like, this is my piece of clothing and I love it. And yes. I don't want to not wear it. And I don't care that it makes me look bad. Mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> I had this black cardigan that I thrifted and it was like already kind of falling apart mm-hmm. when I thrifted it and I just wore it to death and I still own it. And then Chase and I were going through my closet recently because I needed to purge and I needed somebody to be there to be like, I've never seen you wear this. Get rid of it. <laughs> and he like pulled it out and he was like, have you ever worn this? And I was like, yes. Flashbacks. I, I will not be getting rid of that. That is my comfort cardigan. You did like the Stranger Things thing where your eyes like flip back <laughs> and you're like seeing. I had this vest, this like puffy vest mm-hmm. that was black. That was my mom's. And she like just let me wear it. And I probably wore it 80% of senior year. Mm-hmm. Like just, I was like, jeans cute top vest mm-hmm. uh, and I loved it and my my friends were like you don't like it's a puffer vest like it's not that cool but like I just felt so good in it yeah and now you know what into adulthood I love puffer vests they look good on me and I don't <laughs> apologize yeah if you find something that looks good on you I'm really that's it. I'm really heat sensitive I wore the I wore my new vest skiing and Brandon's like you're gonna get so cold in just just the vest Mm -hmm. with the thermal underneath and not to be like you were wrong Brandon but I put on the coat and I got my period that day and I was overheating because your body heats up when you're on your period Mm -hmm. and I was like I'm gonna die (laughs) and so I made him take the I cried and (laughs) fell over (laughs) into the snow and made him take my um my coat back to the car me and my puffer vest against the world (laughs) I love my vests I pretty recently bought a new black cardigan kind of to like replace it but not like replace it but have like something that's nicer looking to wear with things so that I'm not always wearing this cardigan that only has like half its buttons um and I most of the time end up going back to the old cardigan because I I love it so much it's the cardigan yeah it's the one I've never liked hoodies um but I just I got a hoodie and I've been wearing it a lot. Mm-hmm. And I was having flashbacks to when I had, like, my one sweater that I always wore. I've had a couple, like, this is my sweater yeah. sweaters. And Mia has her hat. Mm-hmm. And it's good. It's good. Do you think it's queer? I do think, in a way, there are some queer elements to it. I mean, Lily's character, I think, is really interesting. Because they never introduce a love interest for her. Mm-hmm. Other than, like, kind of Jeremiah. Yeah, but she's like, lol. Yeah, like she's <laughs> not really Jeremiah. interested in him. Mm-mm. Like she just wants to be friends and she's kind of annoyed by him like the whole movie. But yeah. he's like a nice guy. Which like fair. Many relationships with men have been like that for me. Where I'm like, you're fine, but you annoy me most of the time. <laughs> um, But I really like that she's just like her own person the whole movie. Yeah. And she's so unapologetic about who she is. She's insufferable. She's one. It's so wonderful. She is such a lovely character to me. I adore her. And I always wanted to, I honestly kind of wanted to be more like her than <laughs> Mia when I was a kid. Because she's just so unapologetic about who she is. And she's just so, the actor who plays her is so good in that role. Yeah. Like, phenomenal casting. It, um, there's a very specific, like, cartoon character friendship that it reminds me of, which in, um, do you ever watch American Dragon with Jake Wong? No. It was, like, a cartoon, and he has these two friends named Spud and Trixie, and mm-hmm. they're, like, they end up dating, actually, by the end of the show, um, which totally caught me off guard, because as a kid, I think I was, like, gay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's not very, it doesn't make any sense that they'd be dating. Mm -hmm. But Trixie is kind of like, I literally can't fucking stand you. 
all the time to everyone, but mm-hmm. she's just so lovable. Yeah. And and I, I kind of love that when someone's just so themselves that they're like, what is wrong with you? I will say, I have had friends who are like that, and I have had moments where they've made me cry, where mm-hmm. I'm like, this is too much for me. <laughs> like, you being yourself is so good. But now my feelings are hurt. But you're being kind of mean. <laughs> you're being kind of mean. <laughs> yeah. And I... I also wrote down, and I think I told you as well, that, like, I think this is such a good example of emotionally mature friendships. Yeah. Because, like, Lily and Mia fight. They have issues with each other throughout the first movie. Um, But they both end up recognizing, like, the reason they were feeling those feelings and why they reacted the way they did and apologizing to each other in really mature ways and then making up and still being good friends. Mm -hmm. And I think that is such an important example in media for young girls to have of like, just because you fought with your friend doesn't mean that you are now not friends anymore. Like, and you also can be the mature person and apologize for what you did. Like you don't Mm -hmm. have to like commit to being mad. Yeah. Well, and you and your friend can have totally different like thoughts about the world or goals in life and it's okay. Mm -hmm. It's okay. And Lily, Lily and Mia do wind up getting to, like, Mia gets to do things that Lily really wishes she could do. Mm-hmm. Lily kind of gives Mia one of the pep talks that pushes her all the way. Yeah. And that makes me happy. It's so sweet. And that's also Girlfriend. what we were talking about earlier, too, is that this movie is just, like, if you have a platform and an opportunity to make change in the world and talk about things that are really important then you should take advantage of that role and that, like, opportunity in life. And Lily really makes Mia recognize her privilege. And I think that that's really important. Well, that's, like, it's a really nuanced thing to Mm -hmm. have in a movie in 2001. And I also think that carrying into the second movie, which I... I, Is, like, you're right, it's very tonally different Mm -hmm. than the first movie. But I do think it kind of completes that arc where Mia does get to actually, like, make a big change Mm -hmm. in her country and, like, gets to kind of say, no, I don't want to get married, and I shouldn't have to to be a queen, and it's me, it's it's terrible that you're making me do this. Yeah. You would not want this to be your child. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that is really a nice ending to the series. And I know there's talk about, like, there someday being another one, mm-hmm. but I'm like, it's perfect. It's just a perfect ending. Because yeah. she goes from, I can't make any change, to making a big one. Mm-hmm. And she gets to date lots of cute boys. Yeah. Great. I love the scene where they put um, Prince William on the screen and they're like, I just love to look at him. (laughs) Very 2001. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I also love the pear flavored popcorn. Oh my God. I think about the pear flavored popcorn a lot. I want to try it. I do too. Does anyone have a recipe for pear flavored popcorn we should try? Please let us know. And here's the thing. I, one of my like little soap boxes that I stand on mm-hmm. is that strength in f- feminine strength is just as powerful as masculine strength. Um, and I would describe masculine strength and I'm not talking in a specifically gendered thing in a specifically like societal roles and expectations way. Mm-hmm. I would say like there's power and then there's strength, yeah. right? And power is like, I can overpower this enemy mm-hmm. and strength is I can lift up past it. And, and I think like there's so much strength in softness and femininity. Mm-hmm. And for me, something that's been extremely like healing has been accepting that I am just as powerful and just as impactful in the world if I embrace the fact that I'm kind of a girly girl <laughs> and super like I, I really strongly identify with my femininity and it's a beautiful thing for me and I just love that that Clarice and Mia are both great examples of like you can be very powerful and also wear pretty dresses and have love stories and want your foot to pop up when you kiss and wear tiaras. Mm -hmm. I I have a very complicated relationship with my femininity um but I I'm at a point in my life right now where I'm, like, accepting it. I'm, like, I love clothes and I love makeup. But in, like, not like I spend all my money on makeup and clothes. But I 
love to have things that make me look nice and pretty. But I also don't like to shave my armpits. And, like, there's a balance there for me now. Mm -hmm. But I love this movie's portrayal of femininity because it makes me feel so much more comfortable in it. Right. And I just love that that is there for girls to see. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we, we need just as many Princess Mias and Queen Clarices as we need, like, Wonder Womans or, you know... Lilies. Lilies. Mm -hmm. Like, we need all of it. Like, the, the representation... Representation is what makes things happen. Mm -hmm. Like, we can't make things happen without seeing examples of it. Yeah. And it's it's so good. Mm -hmm. And also, there's... I want to wear princess dresses. <laughs> I'm so jealous of some of Mia's outfits. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am so jealous of her, like, her wardrobe in the first movie, I think. Mm -hmm. And then in the second movie, she kind of becomes, like, Barbie princess a little bit. Like, she wears a lot more pink. And, mm -hmm. like, her closet is super, like, Barbie dream closet. Yeah. As <laughs> a I, kid, though, I loved that with all I the jewelry. That. Yeah. It's so interesting. I, I'm trying to think of my favorite Princess Mia outfit because I just recently saw, when I was a kid, she has that red dress at the beginning mm -hmm. of the second movie. And I remember being, like, so pretty. But her coronation dress, in my mind, was, like, way better than her wedding dress. And I was mm -hmm. like, why would you wear such a better dress for your coronation than your wedding. And yeah. as an adult, I'm like, oh, I get it. Yeah. It's way more important. Mm -hmm. Duh. I I think my favorite dress of hers is the one she wears in the ball at the end of the first movie. Yeah, with like the flowers mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and her hair. Yes. Ah, she looks she looks like a headburn. She mm -hmm. looks so fucking pretty. Yeah. And um I really like the one she wears to the state dinner where mm -hmm. she's in the blue. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got, like, kind of a funky collar, but mm -hmm. it feels very like Princess Diana. Yeah. The wardrobe was very thought out in these movies. Oh, yeah. Whoever did wardrobe was really going above and beyond. Yeah. You know what I thought I thought about a lot as a kid? I thought was really stupid was her engagement when he, like, has the film canister. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, like such a stunt engagement. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's for the cameras. Yeah. But I remember being, like, a film canister? <laughs> that That's the best you can do? Yeah. Asshole? I don't know. I think <laughs> they just don't develop his character as well. Because mm -mm. they're definitely trying to portray that photography is really important to him. Because he has his, like, film camera and he's always taking pictures of her. Stuff like that. But they don't develop it enough. Like, they don't develop him as a develop. person enough. It's a good pun. <laughs> like, they just don't make him an important enough character for you to recognize that that's, like, a cute little thing that he's doing yeah. that, like, is combining his interest with, like, mm -hmm. the proposal. And also they're, like, setting it up so you don't know what's going to happen because there's also this Chris Pine character who's, like, an enemies to lovers. Yeah. 10 out of 10 for Bridgerton doing an enemies to love Bridgerton. It's <laughs> <laughs> his diaries. <laughs> for doing an enemies to lovers plotline. Yeah. I love it because enemies to lovers is the sexiest of the romance tropes. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think, okay, I think my biggest complaint with the second movie is that they introduced the idea that there are secret chambers and passageways in the castle in the very beginning of the movie. Mm -hmm. And then they don't develop that at all. <laughs> it's true. And it could have closed a lot of, like, important plot holes to the movie. Or not plot holes, but, like, it, things problems. that they had to, like, work around. Like, the part where she's trying to get out of the castle to meet mm -hmm. up with him, and she, she, like, falls, falls out the window. Which doesn't make any sense, because girl's a rock climber. And yeah. And I was like, how does how could she just not get down that shrubbery? Yeah. It, that part really bugs me. But, like, if, if there was a secret passageway out of the castle... Ta-da! Ta-da! And then, like, she gets caught in the closet with him, but, like, if they just went into a secret passageway or something, mm -hmm. like, they never would have been caught. You know, which... I guess that's important to the movie, but it does kind of bug me a little bit. Abby's like, in stupid, insane. I just incorrect. want more secret passageways. Yep. Um, two moments from the second movie that stood out to me and have, like, I've treasured since my childhood. Mm -hmm. First one is the mattress sledding scene. Oh, yes. It's so, so cute and funny. And I've also tried to sled down a lot of staircases <laughs> because of that movie. My grandmother, who I think I thought of my grandma a lot as like a grandma Clarice character because my grandma is very, now I don't know if you've met any of my grandparents. I have my dad's side, which is Eastern European, but my mom's side, they're very poised, very Southern. 
and they had this big house in North Idaho with a staircase, but it was like a cherry red, like hardwood staircase. Mm -hmm. And you would, and it was really steep. And then it had like a turn in it. So it was not a safe staircase to sled down. No. But I, it also had a, it had a lockable gate at the top of it because the top story of the house was like where the kids rooms were and the guest rooms. Um, this house is like still my dream house. I wish I could just live there, but it's right now the Idaho housing market means it's worth like $2 million. So oh well, <laughs> um, I'd try to slide down that stair. My my parents have like stairs, but it's more of a ladder. Couldn't sled down that. I did try it and I hurt myself. <laughs> um, like I just want a staircase like that, mm-hmm. that I can slip down. My, my mom actually let us sleeping bag slide <gasps> down the staircase at my house. One time there's pictures of like my sister and me and one of my friends and one of my sister's friends when we were in like elementary school I think we watched that movie and we wanted to do it so bad that my mom was like, okay, well, you can get into sleeping bags and like slide down the stair in the sleeping bag so that it doesn't like give you rug burn or anything like that. Because we're not going to like put a mattress on the stairs. (laughs) (laughs) We don't have an extra mattress for you to use to slide. And then when Julie Andrews surfs down it, queen. And then I also love when she sings. Yes. It's so sweet. The crowning glory song. Mm Mm-hmm. That Raven Simone, Raven Simone is there. For some reason. When I was younger, I, until today, I thought that Raven Simone must have been in the first movie. Because why would she be in the second movie (laughs) if she's not, like, established? Yeah. Not complaining that Raven Simone is there. I fucking love her. Mm -hmm. But I'm just like, why is she there? Just, like, remixing Grandma's lullabies. Yeah. Okay. I think it was, like... The first movie, from what I read, was their attempt to make a live-action movie, a G-rated live-action movie that the whole family would enjoy. Mm-hmm. And it so it was, like, not expected, really, to be a box office success. And then it was. And so when they made the second one, they were like, oh, well, now we should make it a little bit more Disney. And gotcha. so they kind of added, like, a Disney actor into it and, like... <laughs> Made it more like for little girls, I guess. And it it worked. It did it work. Was. It did exactly what it was supposed to. I'm yeah. also I'm I'm a weddings person. Mm-hmm. Like I just love weddings, and I have my parents are musicians, so through childhood we would go to a lot of people's weddings, and I would I kind of had like the the hired help experience of a lot of other people's weddings <laughs> where like we would sit behind the stage and I would just like watch. Mm-hmm. And so I, I do credit most of my longtime obsession with like weddings and wedding Pinterest and with um, my parents and having to go to so many weddings. But I also credit this movie mm-hmm. because I was like bachelorette slumber party. <laughs> yes. Yes. Duh. Of course. Without a doubt. <laughs> Because, like, when you're a little kid, you don't see the bachelorette party side of things. You just no. see, like, the wedding side of things. So the introduction of the idea of a bachelorette party when you're a little girl is, like, oh, my God. And also genius to make it a slumber party. Yeah. Because it kind of, I mean, bachelorette parties are kind of slumber parties if yeah. you think about them. I mean, Marissa's was. It was. I didn't sleep over. You had a thing in the morning, though. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember what I had, but I remember being, like. I had to get up super early in the morning the next day and go to work. <laughs> to the bachelorette party. <laughs> I also had to work the day of the bachelorette party. So I got off work <sighs> at six and then like my mom let Pua into the house mm-hmm. and then like they set up and I showed up at like 630, I think. Damn. Yeah. I gave someone else a ride there, um, which was, yeah, that was nice because it was a lot of people I hadn't seen in a really long time. Yeah. Because of, I moved and then COVID and then Marissa got married. Marissa got married. <laughs> but I can't wait for like the next bachelorette party mm-hmm. in my life. Like I feel like I'm just more fun now. Yeah. I don't know whose it'll be. I've said to you multiple times, like, don't be surprised if Chase and I disappear into the woods one day and come back married. Yeah. But makes sense. there will be a bachelorette party. Good. Even if you're already married. Yeah. Even if we don't know that's what it is. 
I want to, I want like a bachelorette weekend. It doesn't even have to be somewhere bougie, just like something kind of like getaway. Yeah. Brandon and I have talked about a lot of our friends are the same people. So mm-hmm. it'd be kind of fun to do it with like both bridal parties mm-hmm. and just like get a big Airbnb and like fuck around for a weekend. But that would be so fun. We'll see. I've That's seen years out. I've seen a lot of TikToks of people doing combined bachelor and bachelorette parties, and it just sounds so fun to me. Yeah, I don't know. Something about just like Brandon's kind of my best buddy, so why would I? <laughs> what would I do without him there? Also, whenever I'm drunk, I just want to make out with my boyfriend. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, fair enough. <laughs> I want to go to bed a lot when I'm drunk, but. Me too. Also make out. <laughs> He's so sleepy. Speaking of making out, the first boy. Yes. What a douche. Oh my God. But didn't we all date one of those? I was like, this is so relatable. Mm-hmm. This like, he's like, most girls don't like my sailboat. I'm like, most boys don't like your sailboat. It's a stupid hobby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, sure it's less stupid to them because they actually live near the ocean. Yeah. I guess if. I have a, a good a good friend um, whose hobby is sailing, and he lives in Boston and is on a, like, uh, collegiate sailing team. Mm-hmm. And, like, okay, it's cool for you. Yeah. Jack, if you're listening to this, which I cannot imagine you would. <laughs> <laughs> um, it would shock me. Yeah. But because he's my sailor friend. Um, but that guy, just, like, the... I understand it, though, because when your crush asks you out, mm-hmm. it's as a, as a younger person, I remember being like, well, he must be a great person. Yeah. He asked me out. <laughs> and the scenes where she's imagining them making out. Yep. Very funny. Very high school. Yep. So, so good. Yeah. I, I never dated a guy like that, but I did have a crush on a guy who was like that in high school. And he never asked me out, but I did hear, like, bad stories about him, Aww. like, later on. And I was like, oop. Dodge a bullet. I was a cheerleader, so I had a lot of crushes on, like, jockey boys. And I don't actually know if anyone ever had a crush back on me. Because I was just kind of weird. Like, I was just a theater kid. <laughs> I was just a little queer theater kid. But I was also a cheerleader. Yeah. Um, but I had a huge crush on this guy named Morgan. <laughs> and I think he actually was a good person, from what I hear about him. And, like, I see his life now, and I'm like, you seem like you grew up to be... Like, I feel like he and I could grab a beer. Mm-hmm. I would not drink a beer, but, like, metaphorical beer. Um, I went to a cool hipster high school, though. Yeah. So that's nice. I went to private Christian high school, and the guy that I had a crush on, uh, he interns at a church now, or works at a church does social media for a church? I don't know. Love it. But I think he's, like, fine now. But in high school, I remember him, like, being kind of mean to a couple girls. Ugh. I hate when they're douches. But it's also just so, of course. Like, of course if me as a princess, boys are going to ask her out now. Yeah. It's just such a cruel scene and, like, such mm-hmm. an evil setup. The girls are so evil. They're so evil. <laughs> it's so bad. Like, I cannot They're like, we're going to expose her naked body to paparazzi. Her naked minor body. <laughs> this is genius. Reminder mm-hmm. that she's 16. Not even 16 yet. Evil. Pure evil. No, they're like, this is so funny. Haha. Haha. Creating child Even porn. the worst girls. Like, even the fucking, just the girls who drove me fucking nuts in high school would never. No. And, like, I don't know if that's just because, like, I went to a cool hipster high school and everyone had kind of, like, similar baseline values, even mm-hmm. if they sucked. But also, like, I have beef with that. That's an yeah. awful thing to do. It's so cruel. And the paparazzi is so terrible. The yeah. American pa- the, the Genovian paparazzi is nothing near as bad as the American paparazzi. No. Fucking Americans. Yeah. And I think... This is also a movie that came out during, like, the height of paparazzi, like, being, like, super important because Mm -hmm. we didn't have social media. So the only pictures you got of celebrities were from the paparazzi. Yeah, I also think it's, like, a resonant storyline with with Princess Diana's death having happened. What year did she die? Actually, I'm super... I don't have my phone. I want to say 99. Yeah, it was like the late 90s. I listened to this massive podcast series about Princess Diana's life. And I've listened to it twice. So I really should know that. 
because one of my one of my ADHD special interests is is royalty. 1997. Yeah, so I, I feel like that would have been a pretty fresh thing to whoever's writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if it is in the book, like just this idea of how malicious paparazzi can be. Yeah. Because paparazzi was under fire. People at this point were like, paparazzi killed Princess Diana. Yeah. Yeah. Princess Diana was kind of like the last like princess of the world. And yeah. like, I don't fuck with the British royal family. I think for one... Y'all are freaks. And for two, it's not very nice to just make people have to have one job and, like, make people have that much public scrutiny. Mm -hmm. They get no choice about it. Like, it's not a a position that people get to choose. Mm -hmm. They just are that scrutinized. But, like, even Kate and uh, Meghan Markle didn't get the princess treatment. Mm -hmm. I think... Kate did with her wedding, mm-hmm. but that was about as far as it went. Yeah, such bullshit that Megan didn't. Mm-hmm. I remember, because we were seniors in high school, and my gov teacher was talking about Megan Markle. And I was just like, let the girl be a princess. Yeah. <laughs> just let her be a princess. Who's it hurting? The The extent of my knowledge of the British royal family comes from that like HBO Max cartoon series that's about the children like specifically the like son of Prince William and Kate. Um, it's a cartoon, like really irreverent, like super bad cartoon that's supposed to make fun of the British oh, I family. No, I have like no concept of what this is. I it it got a lot of like pushback because people were like, you should maybe not be making a cartoon about a real life child who's like a child. Six. Yeah. yeah. Don't make fun of real children. But if you disconnect yourself from the fact that it's supposed to be based on real human beings, it's so fucking funny. Gotcha. <laughs> I, most of my knowledge of uh, royalty comes from the 1800s and um, the Tudor era. Mm. The Tudor era maybe is what I should say is my my special interest. Yeah. I know so much about it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so obsessed with there's this podcast called Royal Blood, and it's not like this. It's like it's like a scripted, like, it's not a conversation podcast. It's more of, like, someone reading a great piece of writing about history to you. And Dana Schwartz, who writes it and hosts it, is so cool. And I just want to be her friend so bad. And actually, she, she wrote a book. She wrote a book called Anatomy of Love Story. It's on my bookshelf, and I'm pointing at it. She is a comedy writer. Okay, I recognize mm-hmm. her name from somewhere, but I don't know what exactly it's... That, like, I've read something of hers, but I don't remember what it was. She's... I think she's got, like, four books. Her first, like, non... Her first fiction one is this anatomy, a love story. Okay. And I found her from the podcast, but she's so cool. It's actually her bachelorette party weekend right now, and she Aww. posted her Venmo, and she was like, my sister made me post this, and it's like, buy the bride a drink, and I sent her five books. Aww. <laughs> Party like Edgar Allan Poe was my message. I thought it was funny. It is pretty funny. I hope she also thought it was funny. (laughs) Hi, Dana. (laughs) Maybe someday she'll be a guest on our podcast. That would be wild. Mm. (laughs) My my queens. Um, I thought that the movie did a really good job of establishing the lore of like the dad and the mom mm-hmm. and the parents split up and the dad has recently passed away and all of that. Mm-hmm. Like n- princess movies don't always set that up very well. Yeah. I was really sad that her dad was never in her life though. That seemed like bullshit to me. Mm-hmm. In the, in the books he is alive. He's just like the most absent father that you could have basically. Jeez. Like he's just never around. And I don't have a huge tolerance for absentee fathers. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I can understand if that. You're, if you're a jackass, get lost. But, like, it seems like he was a good guy. Yeah. So I don't fully understand. Mm-hmm. I think it had a lot to do with that, like, her mom just kind of wanted to, like, be left alone and live their own lives together. But it is kind of sad to me that he never, like, reached out to her as other than, like, birthday presents and stuff. Yeah. I guess if your father is, a, a, like king to be mm-hmm. and your mom does not want you to know you're a princess mm-hmm. then you kind of get stuck in a situation where you don't know yeah like i don't know what how you would 
get to know your dad without knowing that fact about him. Mm-hmm. So it was probably for me as protection, but yeah. Genovia's in between Spain and Portugal is a detail I caught while watching it. I think it's between Spain and France. Oh, you know, you're totally right. Yeah. We should visit. We should. It's real. <laughs> that would be so fun. I want to know Genovian history. What was Genovia doing during World War II? Probably being invaded. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I, I, wanna, mean, I want Genovian lore. I think the biggest the biggest thing that makes me sad is that there was never, like, princess diaries. Like, you know the way Percy Jackson had, like, lore books you could buy? Oh, yeah. With, like, lots of... Imp- we should do a Percy Jackson episode someday. Yes, we should. <laughs> oh, man. I'm not ready to reread those books yet mm-hmm. because they're in first person. And I have an issue with books in first person. I love those books. <laughs> <laughs> um... Every time I reread a book from when I was a kid and I open it and it's in first person, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) Now, I just think it's really limiting. Mm -hmm. Like, you have to be so careful with the fact that your your readers are only getting this much of just this tiny amount of perspective on your world. Mm -hmm. So in a fantasy world, it's just so hard to pull off. Mm -hmm. I I do think, though... Percy Jackson tangent. <laughs> um, in the second series, when Rick Riordan like expands the point of views to be like all of the characters get like yeah. a point of view, it's definitely him being like, "Oh shit, I wrote the first book in first person, and now there's so many characters, and I maybe shouldn't shift from first person because it'll startle my readers. So instead, I will just do switch chapters." <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I, um, in, the, in our last episode, I think we were dissing on when writers switch perspective from first person. Oh, yeah. And when they're switching back and forth. <laughs> I think he did it right. I he did it okay. I, I haven't actually, we've, my mom read us all of the Percy Jackson books and I think I was in like fourth and fifth grade. Mm-hmm. So I would have not been a great reader yet. And so there are some books that I remember being read to me, and there's some books that I remember from reading. Mm-hmm. And so Percy Jackson is one of them that I remember my mom reading to us. Um, and I never read any further than that. But my brother, Reuben, I think has read, like, all of the ones that have to do with the Greek gods. And maybe, like, there's also, like, Trials of Apollo and Cain Chronicles and... There's, like, Norse history ones, and there's... Egyptian mythology ones. And then the writer did something cool, which now he he is he has enough money that he pro- he's basically in film he would be a producer where mm-hmm. he like gathers the money and supports an, a new author to write like God like Percy Jackson style. The yeah. gods are real fiction, but like from other cultures. Mm-hmm. So I read the first I read it to my fourth grade class when I was teaching, but um it's like the girls Navajo, mm-hmm. and it's all like these Navajo Native American gods and spirits. And Dude, that's sick. It's, it was sick. She's so cool. Um, I think her name's like Najuni, and she like is a basketball star. And then she like meets this chameleon that like takes her on this adventure, and it's that's just so like cute. Percy Jackson, but mm-hmm. little Native American girl. Aww. Hell fucking yeah! We're big Percy Jackson fans in this home, and I just. Speaking of Princess Mia, it's so cool to use your platform, like like Rick Riordan has, mm-hmm. to then support other authors, especially authors of like underrepresented cultures, mm-hmm. in writing about that culture for kids. Yeah. Because kids deserve good stories. Rick Riordan is one of my favorite authors as a person. He's just such a cool dude. I would I would I would get coffee with him. Yeah. Rick, if you want to be on the podcast. Let us know. You're invited. You're you, invited any day. And just come to my home. You can meet Panda. <laughs> um, speaking of kids deserve great stories is kind of a soap, another Grace's soapbox that mm. I've been on lately about how I just like Princess Diaries, I think is a great example of like children just deserve stories that don't like treat them like babies yeah. and make them excited and inspired and also have good morals. Mm-hmm. And are funny and are imaginative. Mm-hmm. And I think Princess Diaries is, like, one of those. Yeah. I I think Princess Diaries... So it was, a, like, 
they wanted to make a G-rated movie that the whole family would love. Mm-hmm. And I think in doing that, that is why the movie is so well done. And so, like, as an adult, you still love it just as much as you loved it as a kid. Because it's not just for kids. Yeah. Like, the lessons are for everyone. And it's funny for everyone. And it's, like heartbreaking and like beautiful for everyone but also like endearing for people who grew up watching it and then our adults watching it like it's just such a lovely movie yeah and I think that the reason it is is because it was like a family feature film Mm -hmm. and I think that that's something that I don't watch a lot of like g or pg rated movies that come out like currently but I haven't seen a movie like that in a long time. Like a family feature film yeah. that's really, really good. I'm trying to think of the most recent one because I, you, your siblings are, your sibling is closer to your age mm-hmm. and I have a, you know, Guthrie is 10 years younger than me. So yeah. I, I think I was watching children's media a lot longer mm-hmm. than a lot of people. And my dad is also a huge, like my dad just loves cartoons. Mm-hmm. And so we, we've watched a lot of cartoons, but I can't, I can't quite remember like, just family action mm-hmm. is a really, I think, not even action, family. It's, like, high-stakes family movies mm-hmm. and, and, like, big imaginative family movies. They're just hard to do and they're hard yeah. to find. And it's crazy because we have so much media right now. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like, like, Pirates of the Caribbean, this is a similar thought as I had with Pirates of the Caribbean, is, like, Pirates of the Caribbean was fun and funny and made me feel so much joy when I was eight Mm -hmm. and the same at 21. Yeah. And like, I hope there are more of those movies Mm -hmm. around. Yeah. Hunger Games made me devastated at 12 and at 21. Yeah. So Suzanne, you're good. You're good. We know you weren't trying to make something joyous. Also, (laughs) side note, we just found out that there's another Hunger Games movie coming out. And we did not know that when we recorded the Hunger Games episode. I need to read the book. Yeah, I need, oh, I want to read the, reread the whole series and then read the new one. I think, I think doing, with the Pirates of the Caribbean and with the Hunger Games, doing movie by movie Mm -hmm. sometime will be really fun. Yeah. Um, We have... We're still just such a young podcast. Mm-hmm. We're just, we're, we're figuring out the sound right now. We're yeah. figuring out how to do this. So, like, I'm, I'm excited to loop back around. Mm-hmm. And I think that having a new Hunger Games is a perfect excuse to do it. Yes, it is. <laughs> and this one follows snow. Yeah. Which is, like, unexpected. I'm curious about it. I'm curious. I don't really like the genre of, like, now we're going to make the villain the protagonist. Because I'm like, but snow keeps killing kids. Yeah. I don't want to like him. But I do think he's an interesting character to get his perspective on. Because he's been around for so long. Yeah. Fucking villain. Yeah. Anyway, this is not another Hunger Games episode. (laughs) (laughs) Do we have any more big thoughts on Princess Diaries? I don't know that I have any big thoughts, but I do have a fun fact to end off the episode with. Oh, yes. So, one of my favorite movies of all time is Pretty Woman. Uh... And the director of Princess Diaries was also the director of um, Pretty Woman. No shit. Yeah. That makes sense. Was it the director or he might have been one of the producers or something like that? Anyway, he had something to do with both Pretty Woman and Princess Diaries. There's a scene in Princess Diaries where she breaks her glass by hitting a knife against it. And the waiter comes up and is like, don't worry, it happens all the time. Mm-hmm. In Pretty Woman, there's a scene where she goes to a fancy dinner for the first time and she is trying to eat escargot and she accidentally flings it across the room into a waiter's hands. Mm-hmm. And the waiter says, don't worry, it happens all the time. <laughs> it is the same man the same playing factor. the waiter. That's good. It's so I, fun. I remember that moment. Yeah. That's so fun. I just love, I just love how fun these movies are. And one of the, I watched a video essay for like, preparation for this episode and it talked a lot about how the behind the scenes they wanted to make it fun for all the actors and so they would throw actors like birthday parties on set and they had a halloween party and a like a a costume contest and a pumpkin carving contest and stuff like while they were filming and Mm -hmm. i just think that is so wonderful well that's just exactly the energy that like makes storytelling successful yeah and i 
feel as someone who works in arts management, I feel pretty strongly about the fact that if you don't have a group of people who like being around each other, you're just not going to get as good of art. No. Even if you're making a super fucking sad movie, mm-hmm. I don't care. Like, when the camera goes off, there has to be some joy. Yeah. Or it's just not fun. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Shonda Rhimes cultivates that on a lot of her projects. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if she had something to do with some of that or she was inspired by that Mm -hmm. because it it works so well yeah i want to go to a birthday party with anne hathaway (laughs) that would be so fun do you think my mom looks like anne hathaway i do a little bit when i was when she was younger my mom would people would be like your mom looks like anne hathaway which is a very nice thing to say and i i can see it Mm -hmm. um i always thought she looked like the uh the mom from Stuart little (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember that movie? I I know I don't think I ever watched it as a kid, but I remember like a little bit about it. But that's really funny. <laughs> cool. Nice. Nice. Anything We love this movie. Princess Mia can be an honorary fight bad guys with your titties out. Even yeah. though well, I guess her titties are out in that one unfortunate moment when the girls bully her. Yeah. And then she, she has something to cover her with. But then like, she fights those bad guys. Yeah. You can also fight bad guys in a ball gown. Yeah. And a tiara. That's the lesson of today. Fight bad guys in a tiara. Fight bad guys in whatever you're wearing. And if that happens to be a ball gown and tiara, it sounds Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Who's Your Mommy podcast. Before we go, we want to say a couple of thank yous to the people who made this possible. First of all, thank you to Ruben Ward for our amazing new logos. Thank you to Chase Franklin for creating all the music and transitions we use today. Thank you to Brandon Gorenson for our original logos and to John Gorenson, Travis Ward, Chase Franklin, and Brandon Gorenson for your help with all of our audio equipment. We love you. We love you. And we also love Linda Cardellini. Thank you, Linda, for being our inspiration. Follow us on Instagram, please. We'll DM you back. Mm-hmm.